Welcome to Huntersville Lutheran Sermon Webcast. We invite you to join us here for worship every Sunday at 10 a.m. Find out more at huntersvillelc.com. Thank you for joining us today. Merry Christmas. Oh, that's kind of weak. Every time we try this, it never really works. Merry Christmas. Oh, that's a lot better. Are you guys all ready for Christmas? Is everything set and prepared? No, <laughs> I kind of figured that would be the case. Uh, the, earlier, just recently, actually, I, I had a chance to sit down in my office uh, for, in a, with a few quiet moments, which all of you probably know is kind of a rarity around Christmas time to find a few quiet moments. I took these quiet moments to reflect on Christmas, and I, I came to the realization that, that my thoughts and my views on Christmas have changed pretty radically as an adult. As a kid, uh, Christmas was, for me, as the song says, the most wonderful time of the year. I absolutely loved it. I loved having a reprieve from the responsibilities at school. I loved watching all of those presents stack up underneath the tree. I loved having my dad home from work for more than just a day on a weekend and be able to spend some time with them. And I loved going to Christmas Eve worship. But as a kid, it probably wasn't for the right reasons. Because I loved, in the church growing up, we had the real candles, not the battery-powered ones that we have to use in the school. We had the real candles, and I loved, as a kid, being able to hold this flame. It made me feel like an adult and be a little bit more responsible. But I also loved Christmas Eve worship because it meant that when my brothers and I got home, it meant that we could go and open one of those presents that were waiting under the tree for us. I loved Christmas Day, too. I loved Christmas Day because we got to go to worship again. We got to go and spend a bunch of time with extended family. We got to open more presents. We got to eat more food than any human being really should eat. We got to pick Grandma's table full of 15 different cookies clean. Christmas was amazing as a kid. It was fun. It was wonderful. It was filled with peace and relaxation. But now as I think about Christmas as, adult, as an adult, my, my view on Christmas has radically, radically changed. Now, I don't want you to misunderstand what I'm about to say, because I love Christmas. Okay, one more time, just in case any of you missed it, I love Christmas, but Christmas is downright stressful, right? And probably a lot of you know that as a pastor, Christmas is one of the busiest times of the year. I've got to get all the worship planned. I've got to get all the service folders printed. I've got to get all the music into the musicians' hands and make sure they know what to play, when, and where. I've got to get all the invitations out and make sure Facebook ads and Google ads and our website are all working and up to date. Like, it's busy. But the busyness doesn't stop when I take my pastor hat off and I get home because Andy and I still have all the things to do at home to prepare for Christmas. We had to get all the house in order for all of our family who is here today playing all the music. We had to get all of the meals planned and all of the all of the, the food bought and wrap all of the gifts. And, and if all of that wasn't enough in the middle of the busy season, yesterday morning my washing machine started to leak. And I was super worried it was going to flood our hole upstairs and ruin our new floor, so I had to fix that too. Christmas is downright busy and stressful. Now, 12-year-old me said all the time, Christmas is the most wonderful time of the year, but 28-year-old me says Christmas is the most stressful time of the year. There's so many people I know and people I love who say that Christmas is a time of peace and relaxation, but I'm not sure I'm so convinced about that anymore. And by the head nods and, and the smiles I'm seeing on your faces, I, I think a lot of you know what I'm talking about and you probably agree. Because it's all just so much, isn't it? You've got to do all the things. But there's, there's scheduling conflicts and there's busyness and there's the financial burden and there's traveling and there's any number of things that fall under that category. But it's all stuff that you've, you've just got to do, even though it's the stuff that makes you stressed, that makes you overwhelmed. Right, you've got to buy the right gifts so that your kids have the magical Christmas. 
if you've got family coming over, you've got to prepare all the right meals and the appetizers so nobody's disappointed. And even when you do absolutely everything right, you'll still have old Aunt Mildred sitting over in the corner giving you the stink eye because that's not how she would have done things. Like you all have a family member like that, I'm guessing. <laughs> you've got to make Christmas perfect. You've got to make Christmas for everyone, even if it's just your spouse. But when did all that happen? When did this become Christmas? When did Christmas become me or Christmas become you? I mean, I've got a pretty good guess, right? Like we live in a, we live in a with the Instagram perception of what uh, a perfect Christmas gathering is like. We have the Hallmark idealized Christmas scenes printed on all of their cards and in all of their movies. There's a rampant um, commercialization of Christmas that for some stores like Target started way back in September already. We've got all, we're inundated by all of these ideas of what Christmas is, that we think this is what Christmas actually is. We think that we've got a, that Christmas is, a, is about doing it and making and buying and, and accomplishing all the things. But really, all of those ideas, they point us to a singular focus. They point us inward. All of these ideas make you and you alone the focal point of Christmas. They make you the fulcrum upon which Christmas balances. And all of these ideas, they point you to a singular notion that you are Christmas. And anytime over the past month, if you've felt like that, even if you're feeling like that tonight, I want you to know that you're not alone. Because I want to remind you something that, that I've had to remind myself of over and over again this month, and I still need to remind myself of tonight, that you're not Christmas. You're just not. And just a few moments ago, we heard the Christmas account read from Luke chapter 2. And it's a beautiful account. It's filled with so many fascinating details and characters and all of these moving parts. But I'm going to say something kind of surprising about them, something that some of you might raise your eyebrows at, that those details and characters, they aren't Christmas either. I mean, you've got Caesar Augustus, this tyrant of Rome, who couldn't be bothered to give a rip about God. This demigod of Rome, Caesar, he issues a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world, and that included Palestine, the place where God's people, the Jews, where they were dwelling. And Caesar's primary goal in calling this census was so that he could figure out how many people were in the Roman world and so he could extort more money for them, from them via taxes. And a happy secondary goal for Caesar, of course, was by finding out how many people were in Rome, he could shake his fist and say, look at how many people I'm in control of, including you, Jews, who claim to be God's people with no king. Yes, Caesar and his census, they aren't Christmas. You've got Mary and Joseph, this, this peasant girl and a poor carpenter from a backwater town in, in Galilee called Nazareth. But they're forced to leave Galilee. They're forced to leave their backwater town and go to another town, Bethlehem, which has long ago become meaningless. I mean, Bethlehem, it used to be a, meaningless, or a meaningful place. It was the hometown of David, but it's long ago faded into, of an, in importance compared to the all-important city of Jerusalem that's right next door. I mean, you've got the, the shepherds who are living in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flock by night. And in the first century world, shepherds were the lowest of the low kind of people. They were the, the men who spent their entire lives in the dirt and grass of fields taking care of animals that stink. And these shepherds, they aren't Christmas either. And finally, Luke tells us about these angels. An angel of the Lord who appears to be the, the harbinger of good news to these shepherds. And when he shows up, he, he instills, or there is fear in the, in the hearts of those men. But he assuages that fear with the good news. 
And then there's a whole there's a whole host of angels who appear in the sky and they fill that Judean night with with their jubilant song. But not even these angels, God's specially chosen messengers, they're not even Christmas. You see, none of these details, none of the characters, none of the the moving parts, none of them are Christmas because it's not Caesar Moss, it's not Angel Moss, it's not Shepherd Moss, it's not Mary Moss, it's Christmas. You know something, it's also not Doug Moss or Dave Moss or Addie Moss or Drew Moss or Dave Moss. There's another Dave sitting back there. Dave Moss. Because, because you aren't Christmas. You're just not. It's not your job to bring peace, even though you may want that job. It's not your job to make your, your kids and your spouse's Christmas magical with gifts and vacations. It's not even your job to suck in all the sparkle and spit out all the Christmas joy. Because you can't bring Christmas joy. You just can't because you're not Christmas. But look, if, if you think that if, if you don't get your kids the right presents on Christmas and they're not bursting with joy on Christmas Eve when they unstuff their stockings, then you think Christmas will be ruined? Well, you're trying to be Christmas. If you think that you don't accomplish all the things leading up to Christmas and on Christmas Day and that that means that Christmas will be a failure, then you're trying to be Christmas. If you think that if you don't accomplish X, then that means all of the Christmas joy that ever existed will be lost, then you're trying to be Christmas. And when that happens to you, I, I need to remind you of something that I've needed to be reminded of myself over this past month and that I need to remind myself of again tonight. That I'm not Christmas. Neither are you. It's not your job to bring Christmas. It's not your job to give Christmas. It's not your job to procure peace or, or to achieve hope or to accomplish, accomplish joy. It's just not. It's not your job at all to... Christmas is not about giving anything to anyone because you can't give Christmas. You just can't because it's not your responsibility. It's not your job. You and I are not Christmas. And honestly... Honestly, I find an immense amount of joy in that gift. Because when you come to that realization and you focus on the fact that you and I, that we aren't Christmas, then it makes the, the actual meaning of Christmas that much more powerful for you. Because Christmas is all about what's given to you. That's all. Christmas is about what's given to you. And I pray that that is an old, old familiar message to you because that is the message that many of you have heard every single day, every single Christmas from Luke chapter two, but it's a message that's so incredibly important. You see, none of those individual details with Caesar and his census or, or Mary and Joseph or Bethlehem and the, the feeding trough or, or the shepherds and the angels, none of them are Christmas on their own. But God takes all of these details and he weaves them into this beautiful tapestry, the most beautiful tapestry the world has ever seen, to show you what Christmas is truly about. To show you that Christmas is about the gift that God gave you on this night 2,000 years ago. On this night two millennia ago, God gave you a gift by making good on his promise, the ultimate promise that he made to the very first people to walk this earth, Adam and Eve. And this promise, it was fulfilled in the most improbable and backwards way. It was fulfilled underneath the nose of the most powerful man in the world as, or during his census. It was fulfilled in a, in a town that meant absolutely nothing to so many people. It was fulfilled to a poor peasant girl and, and her husband. It was fulfilled 
in a muddy barn. A fatherless baby was born and wrapped in cloths and placed in a trough meant to feed animals. But this little baby is so much more than just a baby because this is God made man. You see, this little baby is the, is, the, is the fulfillment of the promise that God made to Adam and Eve that I will send a Savior to rescue you from your sins. This gift that God gave 2,000 years ago is a gift that would fundamentally alter the course of this entire world. It's a gift that radically changes your eternity. This is the greatest gift that God ever gave the world, the greatest gift that the world ever, ever received. But it's not great because it was wrapped up in some pretty paper and has a bow on it and is placed under a tree. It's, it's not great because it's covered in all the sparkle and glitter in the world. It's great because of who that gift is. You see, this, this gift, this gift is God giving you himself, wrapped in flesh and blood. And this gift is just as significant for each of you today as it was 2,000 years ago when it was first given. And here's why. Because when you and I were, were born into this world, we inherited something from our first parents, Adam and Eve. We inherited sin and a, and a sinful nature. You know, we were born because of our sin. We were born completely and totally and utterly separated from our God. And this sin, it causes us to be marred and, and mangled and, and broken in ways that we can't even understand. And this, problems, this problem and the problems that sin causes, there, there's nothing that you and I can, can do to, to fix it. But that doesn't stop us from trying, right? We try to wrap ourselves up and make us look more appealing to God. We try to cover up our sin with, with sparkle, sparkles and glitter and and make them seem a little less bad. But the reality is none of that actually works, right? And you know this to be true because even on a night like tonight, and during the most wonderful time of the year, you still feel the effects of, of sin and its consequent brokenness, don't you? Because each of you, when you walked through that door tonight, you were dragging behind you all of the baggage that sin makes you carry. Pain, the loss, the sadness, the, the despair, the guilt. And no amount of, of gifts underneath a tree or family gathered around a table or food beautifully prepared on a, on a kitchen counter will actually fix your problem. It might make you feel better temporarily. It might make you feel good for a while. But, but after that temporarily good feeling is, is gone, you're still stuck in the muck and the mire of sin. So if all of the things that we try to do to, to fix our, our problem don't actually work, then how is our sin dealt with? And this is God's message for each and every one of you today from Luke chapter 2. You see, in order for your sin to be fixed, in order for your sin to be paid for, it was going to take somebody who was completely outside of you. It was going to take someone who was perfect. It was going to take someone who was holy. It was going to take someone who was bigger than your biggest sin and mightier than your strongest attempt to fix all of your problems. You see, the solution to all of your sin, it doesn't come in all the things you try to do. It comes in all of God wrapped in flesh and blood. It comes in Jesus. You see, Jesus, he left the, the throne room of heaven and became Emmanuel, became God with us for a singular purpose, to be your savior, to pay the debt that your sin carried, and to establish a peace between you and God that would never cease, that would never cease to exist. I mean, this is what the angel of the Lord tells those shepherds out in the field when they were afraid angel says, don't be afraid. 
I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. Today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. This good news is what caused that whole company of heavenly hosts to fill the Judean sky with their heavenly praise. Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. On earth peace to those, to you. This good news is what caused those shepherds to leave their fields and their flocks behind and travel to Bethlehem to find the thing that the angels told them about. And when they, find it, when they found it, you know what they did? They glorified and they praised God because that night they found something that they had never known. They found forgiveness. They found peace. They found hope. They found joy. That night in Bethlehem, in Judea, in the town of David, those shepherds, they saw the face of God. And on this most holy night, God beckons us to travel to Bethlehem with those shepherds. This is his invitation to you. Come to Bethlehem, dragging behind you all of your sin, all of your brokenness, all of your baggage, and bow before true God and true man in this manger, the Christ child Jesus. For it is in him and because of him that you have peace with me. It is in this baby and because of this baby that there is forgiveness for every single one of your sins. It is in him and because of him that you have Christmas hope and Christmas joy. Because and it's the hope and the joy that your brokenness and that your sin will not last forever. It is in him and because of this baby born in Bethlehem that heaven is yours. This. This is Christmas. And it's all accomplished by Jesus. Christmas has already been given to you. It was given to you on a night 2,000 years ago. It was accomplished by Jesus. And if Christmas was already accomplished by Jesus, if it was already given to you, do you know what that means for you? It means that absolutely nobody can take it from you. It means that Christmas doesn't come in all the things you try to accomplish. It means that Christmas doesn't come from, from all of your efforts. Christmas comes in all of God, wrapped in flesh and blood, lying in a manger. That Christmas comes in angels singing to shepherds out in the fields nearby. Christmas comes to you year after year, day after day. Tonight, brothers and sisters, I, I want you to be at peace. To be at peace about the fact that you are not Christmas. To be at peace that Christmas doesn't rely on you, but it relies on what has been done to you. That your Christmas has already come, that your peace has already been won. And if you have Jesus, you have Jesus, then you have Christmas. God grant it. Amen. The peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through faith in Christ Jesus. Amen.